It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone, it's Ron Johnson from the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network, and it's Friday, so you know what that means? No, it does not mean there's donuts for everybody. It means it's time for the roundtable, the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast roundtable with Sam Ekstrom and Luke Inman. Yep, the same Sam Ekstrom, the voice of Gophers Hockey. Today, we are going to talk about this Viking Saints game. Everybody's across the pond. There's a lot of sneaky storylines underneath, but there's one quarterback who I think we're all forgetting about, and we have to talk about him. He is going to be the reasons why the Vikings either win or lose. Coming up next on the Roundtable. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcasts. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. And it starts now. Well, guys, it's Friday. As I've talked about, we got Luke Inman. We got Sam Ekstrom. Let's just jump right into this. The Vikings and the Saints. Everybody, I mean, two-point favorites for the Vikings. I think that's, it's a weird line for me. I feel like the Vikings should be heavily favored. Not, you know, 15, 20 points, but more than two points. But I think that's just Vegas. One, it's a neutral site. Saints are technically the home team. Vikings just left last night. Saints have been there for a week almost since Monday, and it's time to play football. And here's the storyline for me, and this is what I say. Jameis Winston might not play. Like Mike, Mike Tyson said, my back, my spinal, it's broken. <laughs> like his back is not doing well. Um, he also has, a, I think on the injury report, says he has like a thigh and an ankle or a foot. Like this guy is banged and bruised up. But the back is the most scary. I have a herniated disc in my back. When it goes out, it's out. Like, you cannot do anything. That's a guy that does not want to get hit. And so everybody's like, well, is it Taysom Hill? Well, Taysom Hill's hurt a little bit. It's going to be Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, the red rifle, is possibly going to start versus the Vikings. So as we jump into this, fellas, I don't think this lands on Kirk Cousins' shoulders. I think Kirk Cousins is going to be just fine across the pond. I think Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are going to get it figured out. Uh, Dalvin Cook's going to play in the sling. That's going to be a little bit different, but we know there's a pass-first team anyway. Alexander Madison is showing that he can carry the load when need be, so maybe he's the starter. Dalvin is running back too. But as we jump into this, what do you think the Saints' chances are with an Andy Dalton-led team and I'll give you this stat before you throw me your answer the Saints right now are eighth in pass yards 858 35 in passing first downs or sorry 16th in passing first downs 35 and they have 13 passes of 20 plus yards that's second in the NFL and they have four plus passes of 40 plus yards that's third so we know Jameis Winston likes to sling it we know that we know he likes to sing it but he has taken 11 sacks which is 28th in the NFL and so when you think about switching that, now Andy Dalton, probably not a guy that's going to take those deep shot chances. What do you think their chances are of beating the Vikings if Andy Dalton has to suit up? Yeah, so I want to say the Vikings' chances are great with Andy Dalton. However, I think back to 2020 when he filled in for Dak Prescott and he had an amazing game for the Cowboys. I want to say Dallas scored about 31 points in that game and beat the Vikings. And the Vikings also seem to struggle against these backups. Maybe that was the Zimmer era, though. Maybe that era is done, where Chase Daniel beats them, and Nick Foles beats them, and Andy Dalton beats them, and how many other Cooper Rush beats them? How many others have beaten them? So I do want to like take it with a grain of salt. However, um, think about this too. 
Jameis Winston has been giving the ball to other teams. Is Andy Dalton going to give the ball to the Vikings as generously as Jameis Winston has been the first three weeks? So is it actually advantage Saints if Andy Dalton plays? Noodle on that. And also, will they be more emboldened to use Taysom Hill as a wild card in that game? I keep thinking back, speaking of wild card, to the playoffs in 19 where Taysom Hill just took it to the Vikings. He was running through them. He was passing through them. He was catching the football. Um, he did everything in that game, and that's kind of what he can do on any given Sunday. He can kind of pop off like that. So I'm a little worried, to be honest, about the backup arrangement. Is it actually better if the Vikings play a banged-up Jameis? Would that actually give them a better chance? I think there's a possibility of that. No, Sam's right. If you ask some Saints fans... They'll tell you, we don't want Jameis out there because he's just been so turnover prone, playing so hobbled right now with that broken back. He's just banged up. Defensively, though, for the Vikings, listen, no matter which quarterback starts, whether it's Dalton, whether you get some Taysom Hill packages, or it's a hobbled up Jameis, you can't let what happened last week versus the Lions carry over where you're giving up four, five, six yards on first downs. I get it. Lions... They're a team that really built those trenches up. They want to smash you in the face. That's Dan Campbell. They got a great thing going over there. But that opened up way too many third and fourth down and short situations. And then they sell out versus the run. They get gashed through the air like, like we saw last week. So winning on those early downs, I think, is just going to be vital, no matter which quarterback is in there, to set up those third and longs, make life difficult on whichever quarterback is back there because you got to let that pass rush pin their ears back and get after whichever e-mobile quarterback's back there. Give credit to Jared Goff last week. I was watching the film this week. He was sliding around the pocket with pressure in his face. The week before, it was Jalen Hurts. We know what he can do. But week one, when you had Rodgers, who really doesn't move like he used to in the pocket, they were able to get after him. Jameis and Dalton, kind of similar styles in the pocket. But it's about winning on early downs, first down, first and foremost. Yeah, and when you think about Andy Dalton, if you look at his career versus the Vikings, since Mike Zimmer took over, so since Mike Zimmer started putting his thumbprint on this defense, start changing the narrative, start getting you know his guys that he wanted in, now you see a 3-4 defense, going to be a similar attack style, but not the same. Andy Dalton, 93 for 140 versus the Vikings, 66%. Uh, eight touchdowns, five interceptions, 91 passer rating, and 13 sacks. This is the thing. If you take out that first game, because Mike Zimmer was in Cincy in 2013, if you remove that first game, which was one of his bigger games, he had 363 yards, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions. And they beat the Vikings in 2013, 42-14. You remove that? Well, there goes your four touchdowns. So now he has four touchdowns and five interceptions in the last four times facing the Vikings. He had a loss to Minnesota. He only had 11 completions. He had a win. It was a close game. We remember that in 2020. It was uh, 22, or sorry, that was Dallas. That's when he came in. Uh, 22 for 32, 203 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. But then, you know, with the Bears, he didn't play the last time they played him. So the last time he played him with the Bears, he lost 17 to 31. Uh, he did throw for 325 yards, but it was one touchdown and two interceptions. And so Andy Dalton can be rattled. I think Vikings fans would rather have Jameis Winston. Why? Because Jameis Winston is going to make mistakes. Usually the backup, when he comes in, he's like, look, what can I do to not screw this up? Like this defense is pretty decent. So what can I do to not screw this up? But the Saints are battered. I mean, they got backup receivers hurt. Jarvis Landry's hurt. Jameis is hurt. Taysom Hill is hurt. 
Alvin Kamara is hurt. We do know a long flight, nine hours, 10 hours, inflammation and swelling is increased uh, exp exponentially. Like it goes up. So I think getting those guys over there, getting them the ice, getting them rehab, rested. Now their bodies can kind of, whatever swelling they have can go down, whether they got to get it drained or not, who knows, uh, whether it's just ice and stem and rest. But now they're not sitting on a plane cramped up for X amount of hours after a practice with an injury. That's the worst way to travel. So my guess is they're trying to get them over there so they can get relaxed, lay down, get all the get all the injuries out. But they are they are they're fighting the injury bug. More Vikings talk and a Gophers Purdue preview coming up. But first, a reminder that we're brought to you by BetOnline.net, your number one source for all sports wagering info this season. That's NCAA football and it's NFL. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles on BetOnline.net, which is setting you up for success. As you go into the weekend, maybe you want to lay something down on the Vikings. They're minus three in London. The Gophers favored against Purdue at Huntington Bank Stadium. Check out those lines at betonline.net. And also get the final week of the MLB season, MMA, boxing, and golf as well. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And one more thing, folks. We are now on Amazon Fire and Roku, the Lockdown Sports Minnesota apps are very cool, they're easy to use, and they deliver all of our programming straight to you on Amazon Fire and Roku. That's Ron Johnson, Superior Sports Talk, the Minnesota Football Party. Download today. Vikings, the other hand, looks like they're coming through a lot of the injuries. Darius Smith still out, so we could talk about that a little bit. Darius Smith, knee injury, concern or no, no, no concern? Like, is this, should we be, should we hit the panic button? Or should, as Aaron Rodgers say, relax? I'll start with you, Luke. Which one? Yeah, I mean, Z did have five quarterback pressures last week. Two times on fourth down, by the way. Really good reps. Got pressure on Goff. Just couldn't get home. Highest pass rushing grade of any defender, according to PFF for the Vikes, I believe. So, no question. I mean, who's getting who? Yes, it's a big name. He's important to the pass rush. I will say, though, I don't think it's as far of a drop-off as you might think because DJ Wanham can at least hold his own in that department. No question it's a downgrade, but Wanham, he led the team in sacks last year. I think from the film so far through three weeks, he's been solid as that third rotational rusher. And if he has to go from Zadarius, yeah, you're certainly bummed, uh, no question, but uh, you want your best players out there. But I think Wanham is more than capable to go make those plays on third down. Plus, we haven't heard a lot from Patrick Jones either. There's a fourth guy in there. But certainly you're right. I think the logistics of traveling out to London with some of these banged-up guys, you're a former player. I would be curious to know your thoughts, just how that's going to play into this game because both sides – the Vikings and the Saints have a lot of big names, as you mentioned. Two starting offensive line, Ryan Ramchek and Andres Pete. By the way, if Andres Pete can't go, do you know who the backup guard is for the Saints? It's former Viking Wyatt Davis. We could see a Wyatt mm. Davis revenge game here on what? Sunday. Uh, their top two starting uh, wide receivers. Uh, I think it sounds like Jarvis Landry should be a go, but Michael Thomas could be up in the air. And then again, goes back to what you opened with, Ron. Are we going to see Jameis hobbled up? Or are we going to see Andy Dalton? But yeah, the traveling factor and the logistics of all this London, obviously the Vikings and the Saints, two opposite approaches. I just wonder how that's going to affect this game as well. Hmm. Sam? Yeah, yeah, I've got concern about the knee uh, because it's a knee. It's a knee injury in the NFL where you've, you're a defensive end. You've got to cut. You've got to get around these offensive linemen in tight spaces. Uh, you've got to push off. You need to be 100% to rush the passer in this league. 
And even if he is able to play, I wonder if that knee issue takes a little wind out of his sails. Now, he's not on the IR, and they didn't take him out of the game last Sunday when he got hurt. So clearly it's not a torn ligament. It's not something overly serious. But he is going to be playing through something um, if he plays. Now, it sounds like he had a limp still on Wednesday, didn't practice two straight days. Uh, Maybe they're taking it easy on him and going to see if he can play Uh, day of game without any practice but that does make me a little nervous so I think at minimum he's going to be on a pitch count and you're going to look to a guy like DJ Wanham who can fill in and try to get after Jameis Winston Vikings have been getting more pressure than people think the last two weeks they just haven't been getting home and part of that is the mobility of the quarterbacks Jared Goff was slippery more mobile than I remembered him being Jalen Hurts is impossible to sack, so I get it. I get why they're not getting home. I think if they continue getting pressure at this rate, good things will happen, and this is probably a good team to get home a couple times regardless of who the quarterback is. But considering Zedarius Smith's age and injury history, it does raise a little red flag for me when I see a knee on the injury report in week four. Is that something that's going to linger all season and knock him down from 100% to 75%? Yeah, when you look at the the stats, and this is the thing about the stats when you look at defense for both teams, um, this is a tricky Saints team because when you talk about Justin Jefferson, you talk about Adam Thielen, you talk about what they do best, you talk about the run game. Right now, the Saints are giving up 418 yards on the ground, which is in the bottom of the NFL. They've only allowed 551 pass yards as fifth, and they've only allowed 21 first downs. That is number Mm. one in the NFL in the air. So they are not allowing teams to throw to beat them. Now, whether that's because they're in third and short, and I'll have to dive into that a little bit more, but they're not allowing teams to beat them in the air. They are very sound. Uh, They're very savvy. When you think about the Honey Badger and what he did and the the mentality he brought from, uh, from the Chiefs, like he is a guy that mentally can get these guys going. Like, and I'm talking about meeting room stuff. I'm talking about... Um, how to get that 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 dog back, that LSU back, where, you know, that all that kind of stuff. So when you think about that, that's Kevin O'Connell's bread and butter passing on third down. And so you got one of the better teams not allowing first downs in the air. And then you got a coach who wants to throw to get first downs. And so I think that's where the rubber is going to meet the road. And so I talked about the two sneaky things before we jump into the next one. The two sneaky things for me, quarterback. It depends on who the Saints quarterback is, to be honest. I I, I kind of would rather Jameis Winston right now because earlier his legs scared me, but he's not going to beat you with his legs. He's not. Like he the way he's hurt, the way his back and all that, he's going to sit in that pocket, and that's where he is the worst. He's good when he can move around and get, you know, get skinny and do all that crazy stuff he does, all those workouts we see. But when it's just I got to step back and throw the ball, He's not one of the best. He's better with his legs because he makes you second guess. Should I send a guy after him? Should I spy him? Um, Not say he's going to run for a ton, but he's just mobile in that pocket. He's not going to be as mobile now with that back. So I don't know if you want Andy Dalton or not, but Andy Dalton's also old. So maybe it's a toss up either way, but the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, he has to figure out a way to get first downs. He has to figure out a way to find guys and not make mistakes. I think the quarterback that is willing to take risks not make the least amount of mistakes because I think these teams can overcome mistakes. We've seen it in the Vikings-Lions game. But whoever's willing to take that risk, whoever's willing to make that tight window throw, whoever's willing to trust their receivers. Michael Thomas might not play too. I mean, 
there's just so much with the Saints that this this might be a team. And so if Michael Thomas is hurt, Jarvis Landry and their backup receiver is hurt, like who's gonna go out there and play like that? They're they're looking at guys from from NFL UK now to come be on this team. Like they need to get some of these international football. Like uh, what uh, what was it? Mo Boringer or Borix? How you say his name? Remember Moritz Mo? Boringer. Boringer. Yeah, yeah, Boringer. Yeah, like I mean, he <laughs> might need to call Mo to come play because. It's just who knows. But another black and gold team we got to talk about that. I feel like this is a trend. You know, Minnesota played Michigan in pro in college. Now Minnesota's playing the black and gold teams this week. Vikings have the Saints. Gophers have Purdue. Do you think the fans? So I'm one of the fans. I'm also an alumni, but I'm a fan. Do we have we gotten ahead of ourselves putting the Gophers up against Ohio State already? in the Big Ten chance. Like, have we gone too far? Like, because we have not seen Iowa. Iowa has a big test this week against Michigan, so I'm excited to see uh, Iowa get absolutely stumped in the throat. Uh, so we will see how they look against Michigan. But have we have we jumped the gun? Do we need to wait and see and let Minnesota play Iowa, or sorry, Illinois and Penn State? Because those two in the East are sneaky that nobody's talking about. Illinois, Penn State. Have we gone too far, or is this Gopher team really that good? I, I think we all know it's not wise for Minnesota sports fans to start crowning teams too early. We just saw what happened with the Twins. That's still fresh. I just want them <laughs> to take this thing one game at a time, Ron. I, I do. I, I, I loved what, what they showed against Michigan State. That was great. But remember, the Bowling Green debacle wasn't that long ago. And you just can't get too ahead of yourself. And I hope all this praise and national recognition just doesn't change their week-to-week mindsets. This week, feel really good about their matchup versus Purdue. I think they're 12-point favorites. They should handle business. Mm -hmm. Gophers defense, second best in the country right now. Tanner Morgan knows how to run this offense like the back of his hand. All the pieces are there. But one game at a time needs to be the message, I think. And uh, again, Ron's the expert here, so I'll lean on him. But I keep looking at that Penn State game. That's the one I got circled at Penn State. And that's the one that worries me the most to get to these. What everybody's now talking about as college football playoff, maybe a potential team for the Gophers. Yeah, I really worry about the people that are floating college football playoff, even though I think I might have mentioned it on the football party yesterday with Ron. Um, that's <laughs> probably – that, that's way too far down the road. I mean, you, gotta, you literally have to be undefeated to do that. So to be undefeated, you've got to beat Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin, and probably Ohio State. So, and you haven't played any of them yet. And really, the Gophers have only played one credible football team. That's Michigan State. And they might not have even been good either. But I think that's okay. It's legal for you to be good and your other opponents to be bad. I think the whole Big Ten West might be mediocre, and that bodes well for the Gophers. So if you can be the one good team and take advantage of all of the mediocrity, well, then you do put yourself in position to be in either the college football playoff or, at minimum, the Big Ten championship game. And that's all you want is a chance. You want a chance to prove yourself. If people are questioning whether you played anyone good, okay, give us Ohio State. They're good. Give us a shot to win that game. And I know Ohio State has crushed many a hope over the years, but if the mm -hmm. Gophers can just get to that football game, yeah, then they'll have a chance to prove it. But to get there, they are going to have to beat some of these other teams that are in the West and, and still have, I think, a fighting chance. Iowa, if they figure out their offense. Wisconsin, if they figure out their running game. Um, those are still going to be tough football games. So I don't want to get too far ahead. And, hey, there's always the chance of kind of a random slip-up 
along the way. Uh, you got to get past Purdue this Saturday, and Purdue is a team that took Penn State to the very end in week mm-hmm. one of the season, so you can't overlook this Boilermakers group. Yeah, and this is what I'll say. I mean, you got Illinois, you got Penn State, who's number 11 in the country, who if both teams are, if, if Minnesota's still undefeated going into Penn State and they've getting there, and they have to go higher. Like, if they beat Purdue and beat Illinois, they have to jump into the, like, teens now. You're talking 14, 15 in the nation. Um, that's got to be college game day to me. Like, college game day with a Penn State whiteout, it's a 6.30 p.m., so you know they're going to white that out. Like that, I mean, that gives me chills just remembering going to Penn State when they tried to do that to us on their homecoming. Good luck scheduling us again on your homecoming. But I'd love to see that because they know what Minnesota did to them when they were number four in the nation recently came here and got absolutely, not demolished, but beat handily. Like it was a, it was a pretty easy, uh, like, hey, we, we got this. Like we got this game and they closed it out with a Jordan Howden touchdown, who's still uh, playing, by the way. Um, when you think about that, when you think about Rutgers, when you think about, uh, like that's the one. Then you think about Rutgers, Nebraska, Northwestern. That's another. Not say easy, but it's a pretty easy gauntlet of teams. Nebraska has no idea who they are. Rutgers is still Rutgers, and then you have Northwestern, who they are hoping if they build a new stadium, the students will stop reading books during games. Uh, and then the last two, November nineteenth, November twenty eighth. That's that Thanksgiving in between. You got Iowa coming to Minnesota, so we we need to keep the pig in Minnesota this time. And then you got to take the ax on the road and hopefully you bring it back with Wisconsin. Um, and, and when you look at those other teams and who they play, like I said, Iowa has to play Michigan. So they're going to get beat up some more. Um, you know, Wisconsin already got beat up by Ohio state. This is the one year Minnesota's only test from the East was Michigan state, which they handled them. Cause earlier in the season, everybody was saying Michigan state, Penn state, those are possible losses. Minnesota's going to lose four games. Cause they put Iowa, Wisconsin in it. The narrative's changing. I mean, that's what college football is about. Um, this is what I'll say for you guys, too, though. If Minnesota were to lose to Iowa or Wisconsin right now, who do you think is going to be? And I'll say this. Even if they do lose to just one of them, they still go if they can get somebody else to beat the other one. Like, they have to have the loss, the win-loss in the West, and I think Minnesota still holds on to it. But between Iowa Wisconsin right now, who's your early odds favorite that they would they would beat and lose to? I think of of the two, both teams play them so tough every year. We know that. But I think Iowa would give them the biggest fits and the biggest challenge. They would probably lose to Iowa. Wisconsin just doesn't look like the same team that we're used to this year. If you're ever going to knock them off, I feel like this is the year to knock off Wisconsin. Iowa, not so sure about that one. The Gophers have seemingly struggled more with Iowa in recent years Mm -hmm. than they have Wisconsin. Like They got the axe last year. I think they got the axe about three, four years ago in Wisconsin. So, they have kind of shaken the stigma of playing at Camp Randall and playing the Badgers. Um, Iowa has been the team that's gotten in their way, you know, in the 2019 year. I was the team that probably prevented them from being in the, uh, the Big Ten championship. And then last year, Iowa tripped them up as well. But that was in Iowa. Um, mm-hmm. Playing them in Minnesota, I think they've got a much better bet to win that game. Um, I always worry about playing at Camp Randall. So, even though Iowa's been their kryptonite of late, I think I'm going to flip-flop because that Iowa offense is so dismal right now, and their defense is basically outscoring their offense. Um, I think that at the moment, I think the Gophers have a good chance to go into the Wisconsin game having beaten Iowa with momentum, and it could come down again to Gophers, Badgers, final week of the season with a lot on the line. If I was giving points out, I'd give a point to Sam for that. He wins that debate. 
Wisconsin for me is definitely the tougher one. Luke, I'm not going to give you a point. I like your thought. Iowa has. Kurt Ferentz does have P.J. Flex number. I don't know what it is. The last four years, I think he's beat or five times. He's beaten them every time. Um, and so, which is weird. Like, P.J. Flex has beaten Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom has beaten Kirk Ferentz, and Kirk Ferentz has beaten P.J. Fleck. And that's the Big Ten. Like, literally. The last, I think somebody just tweeted that. It's like, P.J. is like 4-1 and one or 4-0 and oh versus Brom. Brom's like 4-0 and oh versus mm -hmm. Ferentz, and Ferentz is like 4-0 oh versus P.J. or something like that, or 4-1. and one. It's Rock, ridiculous. Paper, yeah, it, that's exactly what it is. It's like, who is going to figure out? But I think this is the year Brian Ferentz is very, like you said, dismal. I like that word. That offense does not have an identity this year. They're missing guys. They don't have like a run game or they don't have a true passing receiver. Uh, Wisconsin still has has uh, uh, Braylon Allen. And, and that kid is an absolute like NFL. If he was a junior, he would leave. The only reason he can't leave is because I think he's a true sophomore. So if he was a junior, he'd be in the NFL next year because the kid is good. Even though it was Ohio State, he still had a decent game, had some big runs. Whether you want to say Ohio State had given up and, you know, was doing the, you know, the flag, somebody threw in the white towel, uh, whatever. All right, coming up, we're talking unbreakable Minnesota records. But I wanted to remind folks to like, comment, and subscribe on this video. It really helps other people discover the show. So like, comment, subscribe. Comment with your predictions for Viking Saints in London and help other people get a hold of Lockdown Sports Minnesota on YouTube. We are free and, free and available video on YouTube. We're also free and available wherever you get your podcasts. But let's jump into this next one. Aaron Judge. He's about to break the AL home run record. Um, 61 tie Roger Maris. Uh, maybe won't do it. Like, he's been getting walked a ton up until that last pitch with the Blue Jays. I don't know if they gave him that one because they just felt like, you know what, let's just be a part of history. Kind of like Brett Favre with uh, Michael Strahan and so on and so forth. Um, what's a Minnesota record, though? We're not going to talk about Aaron Judge. I'm not going to get into that. But what's a Minnesota record that, sh that will never fall? And I'll start off with you, Sam. Yeah, so I got to thinking about this, and – Maybe I'm forgetting something obvious, but the number one record that stands out to me is Jim Marshall with the Vikings. 270 games in a row played over 19 seasons. Can you imagine an NFL player playing for one franchise for 19 seasons, let alone not missing a game in today's NFL? That's crazy longevity. The, the endurance and the stamina it takes to play for two decades straight in the NFL – I mean, not, not only will that team record probably not be touched, I'm not sure they'll have a guy play for 19 years at any point. So that's, uh, that, to me, might be the most untouchable record that I can think of. Yeah, that, that's a great one, Sam. Obviously, Brett Favre holds the record, 297. I always love to throw the question out, what is more of a wild record? Is it Brett Favre, 297 in the NFL? Yeah, you only play 16 weeks, but what a grueling sport. Or Cal Ripken, Ironman record playing for, what, 17, 18 straight seasons, never missing a game in the MLB. I'll go Paul Krause, though, 81 career interceptions. Uh, I don't see that one getting touched for a while as well. Maybe not on that Carl Eller level, or excuse me, <clears throat> uh, record, the level that you just mentioned, Sam, but Paul Krause, 81 Marshall. career interceptions. If you look at the current uh, interception leaders right now in the NFL, I think Marcus Peters has 32, Devin McCourty has 31, but I don't see anybody touching that one. That one should uh, be up there for a long time as well. Dang it, Luke. That's what I was going to go I take with. take it? Uh, 
Yeah, you 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 got the point on that one. I was gonna go with that one well, too. Do you know and who's three and four? Harrison Smith and Patrick Peterson are three and four at with twenty nine. Yeah, so I was I was yeah. gonna say that like Harrison Smith. Um, not sure how many years he's gonna play more, but I mean at the clip he would have to do to get fifty. Because even if you look at just the Vikings record, not the whole like eighty one. I'm just talking about like the Vikings only. I think Krause had fifty three as a Viking, um, if I'm not mistaken, and Harrison Smith. Is at like what twenty nine or something like that? So He's when at you 30, think yep, about that, yep. thirty. Yeah, I forgot. So maybe there's an old article from last year. Um, but if you think about that, like he'd have to have he'd have to play at least five more years and get five to six interceptions a season in order to eclipse him. Like that's crazy, and that's just the Vikings part of it. Um, I never realized the whole uh, what you're talking about, the whole eighty one. I didn't even go there. I just went. Um, another one I'd say probably is Dick Lane's NFL season interceptions, 14, like that one, the way teams play now, I don't know if a quarterback's going to give one guy. I mean, I think, uh, what was it? Trayvon Diggs was close. Um, mm -hmm. cause it doesn't have Diggs on this list. I was trying to see what it Diggs. What did Diggs finish with last year? Do we know? It was double it digits been. for sure. It was, was double, it double digits? digits. Yeah. And was he's off to another fast start this year, isn't he? Maybe they don't have got this it for is, you. It says current through 2020. I don't see Diggs. 11. Okay, so that's 11. why I haven't seen him yet. Yep, there and, he is. And that was Diggs, unheard 11. of. I mean, that was insane to right. have 11. So Dick so Lane's right, 14. Like, and so when you think about that, Paul Krause had 12 in a season. That's another one, I mm -hmm. think, for Minnesota mm -hmm. that you're not going to see another Viking uh, knockout. Like, I don't think a guy's going to have 12. Unless Trayvon and Stefan come back to Minnesota uh, together or Trayvon decides to come back because of the new regime. Um, and maybe, because Patrick Peterson is going to be done soon, Trayvon's going to maybe want to get paid. Maybe the Vikings go out and get a top corner, and Trayvon's the guy. Who knows? But, yeah, 12 interceptions in the season, I think that's another one for uh, for Paul Krause that's it's not going to get broken. I mean, it's, it's impossible. Uh, I was going to say Mo Ibrahim. I think that one's going to stand for a while, too, though. Like, he just mm, passed Daryl Thompson, and good. he's going to continue. He has like eight yeah. more, was it eight more games left? Uh, plus nine because the uh, bowl game, wow. maybe 10 because the uh, Big Ten Championship. So if he gets a touchdown a game, I mean, he's going to end up in the 50s. Um, I don't know if that's going to get broken because if there is a guy that comes in and has like a 15 touchdown season, the 15 touchdowns, he's going to the NFL. Like he's not going to wait. He's going to be out of here. So he might get to 40 plus, uh, but he's going to be out. Like he's going to be like, all right, three years like Lawrence Maroney. You know, same thing. I'm out. Like, if I get this, if I have production like this, I'm out. So I'd say Mo Ibrahim's career touchdown record with the Gophers, that one is going to be a while before a Gopher running back uh, or player touches that. But Gopher running back, that's going to be a tough one to break. Um, here's another one, though. Uh, twins. The Twins are not looking good right now. Uh, unfortunately, they are 12 games back. And I was, I could not believe, like at one point we were like, they are in the lead. Then we were like, oh, they're two games back. They are now 12 games back. So we know they're not making the playoffs. Like there would have to be an asteroid that hits half of the MLB teams and not kills them. Cause I don't want players to die, but completely like wipes out their like facilities. And so they have to move on and say, you know, we're going to forfeit this season. Uh, there's things bigger than baseball. You guys finish it out and we're done for the season. If you think about that, can the Twins, I think with six games left, they have the, the, the White Sox and the Tigers, both three-game series. 
can they even get to 500? Like, can they finish out six games to get above 500? I think they have to win five out of the six to be above 500 or be at 500. Sam, I'll go with you first. Do you think the Twins even have a shot to get to 500? Uh, no. Um, there's a major <laughs> quit factor in this team right now. And I guess they just won two out of three from the White Sox who are also quitting. But this is what happens in baseball. And it's, it's kind of wild to see. But when teams get out of contention, they lose focus. Um, it just seems like the, the losses just come so much more easily. Like this team was battling for a long time, but the competitive juices have completely left them. Um, there's not a lot of fight in this club right now. I don't see them winning. And these are road series too to end the year. I don't see them going on the road and winning um, two series handily. I think they probably end up with about 78 wins, which is crazy disappointing considering where they, they were in like mm -hmm. June, July. And uh, yeah, I think this, this is one of those, you know, colossal failures of seasons. Remember this team bought players at the deadline they went out and they got three pitchers and this is still the way that they're finishing the season very disappointing for the twins yeah sam's right no shot at 500 but the bigger question for me is what sam mentioned there's a lot of quit factor going on in this twins why isn't rocco baldelli taking a little bit more heat for not only the way he managed his team throughout the season so many blown leads uh so many losses that should have been wins and now you see the quit factor happening why isn't he on the hot seat more? Why have they committed so hard on him into next year for sure and maybe even beyond? Why isn't he taking a little bit more heat? Mm. No idea. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's crazy. But this is what was another, like, interesting. These, these, these could be some prop bets that BetOnline should look into for Twins fans because the season's over. Here's one could be a prop bet. Will the Twins finish with more wins than the Red Sox? Never thought that would actually be a topic that you can bet on, but it's actually, it's, it's close. They're one game ahead of the Red Sox. So could they finish with more wins? Can they finish second in the AL Central? That's two to keep an eye on. Maybe we'll keep an eye on it. Can they finish better than the Red Sox? Uh, which is crazy because if they were in the AL East, and it probably won't happen because we're dead in the middle of the map, but if they were in the AL East, they would be the, sec they would be the worst or second worst team in that division. So that, I mean, the fact that they have the Royals, the Tigers, the Twins, the White Sox, I think that's why a lot of people hate some of the baseball things they do, like the way these divisions are set up, the way it's so spread out, the way you have to keep playing these inner league, inner squad, you know, whatever, all these games. Um, because it's like, you should play more teams that you don't have to deal with all the, I'm like, I'm sick of seeing the White Sox and the Tigers. Like, play some different teams. They both suck. So let's play somebody else. Like, give us, you know, let's go play the Nationals. Let's go play the Pirates. Let's go play the Rockies a little more. Like, switch it up, baseball. Like, you are so built on your pastime. That's why fans give up, too, at the end of the year. Because they're like, look, this is stupid. I've seen this White Sox. I've seen the Tigers. And for the Tigers fans in Detroit, they're like, we've seen the Twins. Like, why am I going to go to the ballpark with two teams that aren't making the playoffs and I want to see them three more times again this weekend? Like, I'd rather watch the Lions. That's why the Tigers and the Twins both get like swallowed up, even by the White Sox right now, because the Bears, Lions, and Vikings are playing. And they're like, man, like this is, I mean, like the Brewers are 83 and 73. So maybe Brewers fans haven't moved on to the Packers just yet. But the Lions, Vikings, and Bears, they got their guys because their baseball franchises are dismal and the Cubs are terrible too. So, I mean, that's, that's why baseball needs to figure this out. They have to find better ways to get better games on the schedule. That's a different day. 
different topic, different subject. But I want to thank everybody for joining us on the Minnesota round, the Minnesota locked on, or sorry, the locked on sports Minnesota podcast roundtable. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Ekstrom. That's Luke Inman. Please like, comment, share. Let us know. Also, make sure you go to the Roku app. Roku and Amazon Fire have apps now. You can find a Locked On Sports app. Find our app. It has all our videos. It has all of our shows. You can watch them at any time. You can go back and watch clips you want. You can just go back and see Adam Thielen's pretty face because it's loaded up there now. So anything you want to do, make sure you download the app on Amazon Fire and Roku. And please comment, like us, like and share. Let us know. What do you think? Can the Twins finish above 500? Can the Twins finish better than the Red Sox? Are the Gophers national champions? Like, are, is it time to put them in this sport? Are, can they be a national champion again? I mean, 1961, 1967, okay. so far away. Can the Gophers be national champions again? And what Minnesota record do you think is never going to be broken? Let us know and have a great day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.